that is all. Today we're going to be talking about um, discipleship. And we're going to be talking about discipleship from a very, very um, popular uh, passage of Scripture. It's the story of, of Mary and Martha. So if you've been in church for any amount of time, you've heard about the story of Mary and Martha. Uh, Martha upset that Mary is not helping her. And you've heard a lot of different illustrations on what that applies to. Um, and so the main idea, what I want us to walk away from from this sermon today is this, that faithful ministry or serving, it flows from discipleship. Okay, faithful ministry or serving flows from discipleship. And I wanted to say originally should flow from discipleship, but I realized that that would communicate something other than the scripture communicates. Because the scripture doesn't communicate that it should flow. It communicates that it actually does. So ministry and serving that doesn't flow from discipleship, and we'll talk a little bit more about what that means, isn't the kind of, isn't the kind of serving, the kind of ministry that God ordains and that has truly eternal impact. Okay, and we're going to get into to that a little bit more. And I titled the sermon, Busy, Busy, Busy. Wasn't that a good one? I was going to title it Busy Bees, but I thought it was lame. So, so I'm going to read the text. We're coming from Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. And then we'll pray together and then we will jump in. And so beginning in verse 38, it says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all of the preparations that had to be made. She came to him being Jesus and asked Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all this work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. And this is the word of the Lord. Please pray with me. Dear God, I I thank you so much, Father, for this Sunday. I thank you for bringing us safely to this day and to this place. And Lord, I thank you that you are pleased um, today to just be with us Um, as we worship, as we sing songs of praise to your name. I thank you that you are with us. I thank you that you are inhabiting those praises. You are inhabiting us in this place as we praise. And Lord, I pray um, that you would continue to be present with us even as I endeavor to preach what it is you've given me this morning, given us from your word. Lord, I pray that with your grace and through your help and the empowering work of Holy Spirit, that your word would be proclaimed, Lord, with, with clarity, with great clarity and with conviction. And Lord God, I pray that you would cause it to be effective and accomplishing in every heart and every mind exactly what you've sent your word to accomplish this day. Bless my friends this morning. Help us that indeed we would posture ourselves, align ourselves, give ourselves to life with you in such a way that we are indeed disciples and not just people who are busy. Lord, I give you the glory and the honor for indeed you are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So, um, how many of you have traveled internationally before? You've been outside of the United States. 
All right. I don't mean just North Dakota and South Dakota. I mean, you've actually been outside. Hey, huh? He's, he's an international member from, where are you from, South or North Dakota? South Dakota, okay. Yeah. Um, one of the things we learn when you travel internationally, one of the things you learn is that hospitality is of a lot more importance in other countries and other cultures than it is like in America and American culture. Like it's like a really big deal. Um, in other countries, they're more warm, as we like to say. They're more relational. It's very important that people feel welcome, that people are cared for, um, especially strangers. Um, we experienced this when we went to Kenya on a mission trip. They're not, not like European countries. They're like America-like. They're, they're kind of very similar in terms of their hospitality for the most part. The more, the more west you get, the more east you get, they're, they're a little bit more. But I remember when I was in college, one of my friends, he's Colombian, but he was raised in, in um, Miami. During a break, we, he took me down to Miami to kind of see where he grew up and meet his friends and things. And most of his friends were, were Hispanic like him. And while we were there, I don't think we spent a dime on food, not a cent, because every time we were hungry, he would say, hey, let's go visit this friend. And so we would go. And after about the third time of us going to visit a friend, I realized why he kept asking me if I was hungry, because when you went to one of these Hispanic people's homes, they would not allow you to leave without eating something. It didn't matter if you were hungry or not. You had to eat something. I'd never forget, I went to one of his friend's houses, and um, his dad looked like he was somebody from The Sopranos. If you've ever seen that show, he looked like a, a mafioso. And he sat on the chair, a really big guy, and he sat on the couch, and, and he was just, and he didn't move. And, um, and he would talk like this, really boisterous, and he had gold chains on and everything. And at one point, he said, with a very heavy Hispanic, you know, um, Spanish accent, he said, hey, you guys hungry? And we were like, yeah, that's kind of why we came here. And so, and he had this lady who was just like, she was just moving around doing a bunch of stuff. And, and apparently I learned that that was the, the maid. And so he just kind of said, hey, let's whip up something for them to eat. And so she cooked us this Hispanic meal really quickly and we ate. And, and come to find out, not only was she the maid, but she was also his mom. But... Um, but <laughs> but um, it was uh, it, we learned really quickly over there how important hospitality was to them and their culture. And I learned how little we actually value um, uh, hospitality in this way. Well, culture was much the same in Jesus day. Right. Whenever a guest came to your home, a stranger, whoever it was, it was of the utmost importance that you rolled out the red carpet for them. It was of the utmost importance that they were cared for, they felt welcome, that they were fed, that they were comfortable, especially when you were, you were an esteemed guest, such as a rabbi or a teacher, as Jesus was in this time. And so it makes sense that Martha would be working as hard as she was working to prepare for Jesus's stay with them. Okay, there's nothing out of the ordinary for Martha to have been doing all that she was doing to prepare. What the text tells us is that she was actually anxious about the preparations. She was overburdened. She was working kind of with, with, with an angst about her because it was so important to make sure that Jesus, this esteemed guest, felt welcome. But then there was Mary. Mary's Martha's sister, and even though this was the custom, it appears that Mary didn't get the memo. Because while Martha 
is killing herself, working so hard to make sure that Jesus, their guest, was well cared for, Mary was taking a seat. And not only was she taking a seat, she was sitting at the feet of the guest, not serving him, but just listening to him. And Martha, understanding the custom, the custom is to work really hard, right? To make sure that this guest is exceptionally welcome, to to, to do everything you can, exhaust yourself to make sure this guest was honored. She was upset. And the, 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 the interaction between her and Jesus, in my opinion, is very interesting. It's, it's very, it's very, um, it, it's, it's significant. Because Martha, I think, is one of the few people we see in the text who actually really loved Jesus. But here she's actually frustrated with him. To see someone who really loves Jesus, but is frustrated with him. And he says to Jesus, he says, I mean, she says, Lord, don't you care that I'm busy doing all this work, but my sister Mary is not helping me? And she doesn't even wait for a reply. Because in her mind, the answer is what? No, you don't care, right? The answer is clear. And she says, So tell her, right? She has now told Jesus what he's doing wrong. You don't care, Jesus, that she's not doing what she's supposed to do. Now make it right. Tell her to get up and help me. And as I read that, I thought, how often do I do this to Jesus? Jesus, this is what you are supposed to be doing. So why don't you get up and do it? Am I the only one? Now, what I imagine is likely bothering Martha is the fact that she, too, would like to be just having a seat. She, too, would like to just be sitting at Jesus' foot, but Jesus' feet, but all of these things need to be done. She's wrestling with the obligation of being a good host, of, of, of wrestling and fighting. And thanks be unto God for Jesus' kindness to her. You see the tenderness in the way he responds to her. He says, Martha, Martha. Right? He doesn't say what I would have said to her. Do you know who I am? Do you know who you're telling to do something like his Martha, Martha? And he goes on to say that, um, I know you're worried about a lot of stuff, but your, your sister here, she, she's focused on the, the important thing, the thing that is necessary, and, and it won't be taken from her. And Jesus is speaking about her sitting at his feet, listening to his word. And, and what I want us to see here is that sitting at, Mary's sitting at his feet, right? The actual physical sitting at his feet is nothing significant. But sitting at Jesus' feet was the metaphoric posture of discipleship. Okay? Sitting at Jesus' feet is a metaphoric posture of discipleship. In other other words, sitting at Jesus' feet means to be discipled by Jesus, to be with him, listening to and obeying and being shaped by his word. 
And this is what Mary is, Mary is doing, and this is what Jesus is saying will not be taken from her, because it was the one necessary thing, the one need of, needful thing, even more necessary than the serving that Martha was busy doing. And what I think Martha displays here, that busyness that she feels like she can do what she can't do without, I think is something that we all deal with, an anxiety that we all wrestle with as we go about our life as believers, as those who are followers of Jesus Christ. It's what I think we all find difficult about discipleship, and it's this. Sometimes we struggle to give ourselves to the process of discipleship, to sitting at Jesus' feet, because it isn't productive. Right. We struggle to just be given to the process. I want you to think about something early on in the Gospels. We learn that um, the gospel writer tells us he says that Jesus went out to select the twelve. And he says he went out and he chose them that they might what? Say it out loud. Be with him. He chose them that they might be with him. Him. Not that he might take them and pour into them and train them and they go out and turn the world upside down, but that they might be with him. Friends, listen, um, I'm going to say this over and over again. These 12 men went about the world and turned it completely upside down for the sake of Christ. But the foundation of that work was them what? Being with Jesus. If we are going to do any work that is truly meaningful of any eternal impact in this world, we must get to the place where we are okay with just being. Amen? We must be okay with just being. And here's the difficult thing about just being. It ain't very productive. Like Martha, we struggle, to, we struggle to sit at Jesus' feet because we feel guilty. We have angst. We have anxiety about all that we're supposed to be doing. And we struggle with feeling like we're not doing enough. Maybe this comes from being a part of an American culture that's more concerned with what you produce than anything else. Maybe you come from a family that valued hard work above anything else. But whatever the reason is, we struggle to just be with Jesus because we cannot allow ourselves to just be without doing. And here's the struggle for here's the thing for us, friends. If our greatest need, if our greatest value is found in production and doing, then discipleship is going to be darn near impossible for us. It's going to be darn near impossible for us because discipleship has much to do with who we are based on whose we are and with whom we are than what we just do or accomplish. Hey, hey, that guy's in the preaching court. I hear you now, brother. Hey, what are you trying to do there, man? He's trying to get me to preach. Hey, hey, I'm going to say it again. Discipleship has much more to do with who we are based on whose we are and with whom we are than on what we do or accomplish. And friends, the very reason that God gave us a day of rest, and get this, not only did he give us a day of rest, I'm talking about one of the Ten Commandments, one of the big ones, right? Keep the Sabbath, right? Make sure to keep it holy. Not only is it just he just gave us this day of rest, he actually made it a sin to not do it. 
right? And the reason he does this, okay, is so that we would understand this very thing, the need to be and not just do. You see, the Sabbath is our opportunity to acknowledge that our worth is not in our doing. The Sabbath is an opportunity for you to realize, to acknowledge that your worth is not in your doing as you rest in all that God has already done. What was the seventh day rest from? All that God had done. When we Sabbath, we are resting in the fact that God has completed all the work that is necessary. Now, I want you to hear me, friends. This is what I am not saying. I'm not saying that we should not be doing something. And I say that tongue in cheek because I don't mean to give anyone in here who is feeling kind of anxiety about not doing. I don't mean to throw you a lifeline. I want you to really, really struggle with that feeling that you feel to hear me tell you not to do anything and realize that's exactly what I'm saying. Stop. Be. Rest. Okay, is that clear? Did I beat that enough? But understand that I'm not saying that the Christian life is not about doing something. Okay, the Bible is filled with commands to do. Yes, we need to be serving both inside and outside of the four walls of the church. Yes, we need to be pursuing holiness. Yes, we need to be avoiding sin. Yes, we need to be preaching the truth. Yes, we need to be loving our neighbor and sharing the goodness of Jesus. However, it's imperative, brothers and sisters, that all of our doing flows from our discipleship, from our sitting at Jesus's feet. Our doing, our achieving, our accomplishing, it cannot be a replacement for our discipleship. And it definitely can't be a way to earn our place at Jesus' feet. Ministry, brothers and sisters, hear this. Ministry or serving without discipleship equals doing church without Jesus. Ministry or serving without discipleship equals doing church without Jesus. And here's the thing I've learned here recently. It's been quite recent because I didn't know this was real. But this is true. This might not be as shocking to you as it is to me. There are entire churches out there that claim the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, entire denominations even, that are doing fantastic things. Denominations just means large groups of churches, segments of churches. They are doing fantastic things in communities and, and whole nations. I mean, doing going into danger zones, giving food, helping, saving lives, all these kinds of things. And the crazy thing about these churches that claim the name of Christ is that they have very little regard for Jesus or his word. Churches that believe that Jesus is not even truly divine or truly God. Churches that believe that faith in Jesus is not necessary to have a relationship with the Lord God, our father. Churches that believe that Jesus' commands towards holiness and morality mean nothing as long as you're doing some good thing in the world. Hear me when I say, friends, that serving or ministering apart from Jesus, apart from being his disciple, is like throwing a cup of water on a a forest fire. You aren't doing anything in the big scheme of things. And here's the reason why, friends. Jesus is the one who is coming and redeeming. Jesus is the one who is coming to make all things new. 
And if you are trying to accomplish his work apart from him, then you're doing nothing. Does that make sense to you? Trying to accomplish his work without him is futile. And so here's the question I want us to, one of the few questions I want us to answer for ourselves today is this. What does it look like to sit at Jesus' feet today? What does that look like in our lives right now? And what we're doing, one of them right now, right, coming to church, worshiping together, hearing the preached word together, taking communion together where Jesus has promised to be present with us. It also looks like taking time out of your schedule to attend Bible study, right, to be a small part of a small group or a discipleship group. Praise be unto God for Patrick Holtzberg. Yeah, raise your hand. He is a... <laughs> Pat is really, really stoked about himself. <laughs> I said, ready. He said, "Woo! I'm Pat. That's you, um, Pat. Fantastic discipleship coordinator. He works on putting people in discipleship groups. It's a great way to sit at the feet of Christ with other brothers and sisters who are seeking to do the same thing. All right, Amen. Right? It looks like it looks like praying privately." It looks like praying with other people. It looks like studying the Bible privately, studying the Bible with other people. And friends, here's the thing about these, these, I like to call them being practices. Here's the things, here's the thing about them. They are very likely not going to strike anything off your to-do list. Doing the things that I just said, not going to strike anything off your to-do list, off your achievement list. As a matter of fact, some of us are so busy that giving ourselves to even one of these practices will cause to not get something else done. But here's the question we have to ask ourselves about how well we're prioritizing our discipleship, our sitting at Jesus' feet. Here's the question. If I don't get something done, if I don't check something off the checklist, but I know that Jesus is pleased with me having sat at his feet instead, is that okay with me? That's the question to ask. Being able to honestly answer this question will help us determine whether we're too busy with unnecessary things like Martha or if we're giving ourselves to the one necessary thing like Mary. Friends, hear me when I say it again. Ministry, serving, which is the same word in the original language, by the way, helping, loving others, it must all flow from what Jesus has placed in us through a discipling relationship with him. It must, if what we do will have any eternal or lasting impact. Amen? Amen. And as I close, you'll come on up for me, sis. I mentioned earlier about um, communion, um, and we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, I went back and forth in thinking whether to share this, this what I'm going to share. I'm going to take a deep breath before I share it. And Maureen's taking one with me because she loves me. She's looking out for me. Drew read something on uh, the Roe v. Wade decision that was made recently. And I want to come behind him and say that I 110% in every way, I affirm that we 
as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are called to, to be on the side of protecting life. Okay? In the womb. I say that unashamedly. I don't say that to make anybody angry. Um, I usually make a joke that if you have something to say about that, go ahead and shoot Drew an email. But I sincerely say that if you would like to have a conversation about that, I would love to talk to you. But I mean it. I think we are. But here's one of the things I found about our unhealthy culture um, that I think makes this conversation way more difficult and more, more multifaceted than just being on one side or the other. When my wife and I first got married, we went to, uh, we, we were blessed, we, we went to Greece. I used up all of my miles that I'd, I'd piled up by that point, and we went to Greece. And when we were in Greece, we didn't run into many other American couples. I don't think we ran into, did we run into another American couple? No, we didn't, period. Nicole, I'm talking to you, babe. You can't remember. Okay. Well, we ran into, I know we had a, an Israeli couple we ran into. She was American, but they lived in Israel. Um, ran into an Australian couple, and we ran into an English couple. And when we were talking to them about, you know, how long they were going to be in Greece and stuff, I think the shortest time that any of them would be on holiday, as they call it, was two months. Two months. These people were getting two months off of work, had their whole family, and Greece was just one of the stops. They were traveling all over, all over Europe. And they would ask, they would, they would ask me and my wife, so how long are you going to be here? One week. And it floored us. It floored us to see that these people were able to take two months off from their job or more and come back and have a job. And as I think about that and um, the fact that we now have two children, which my wife didn't answer because she's wrestling both of them right there, but um, I think that my wife, uh, I think she was able to get like four or five days maternity leave. Weeks? How many weeks was I guess I'm having a different conversation. No, 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 no. You did not get maternity leave. You had to go on disability, short-term disability to get paid. Yes, okay, so I'm right. She, I'm right. Okay. To get paid her full salary was maybe a week. But to get anything else after that, she had to go on short-term short -term disability and get paid 60% of what she originally got paid. And things did get a little, like I noticed, oh, things are a little tight. And the point I'm making, friends, is it's hard to slow down and be. It's hard to really fight for life in the womb and all of these things when we live in a culture that doesn't value you just resting and being. And so I just want to say I know how hard it is. But God made it a sin to not rest. Right? God said it is sinful to not take time to just be. And so if the culture is calling you to sin, then the follower of Christ must fight against it. Amen? If the culture is telling you that you cannot just be at the feet of Jesus, if the job is telling you that you have to kill yourself and not be at the feet of Jesus, then you have to fight against whatever it is. Nothing that you're doing is going to be of any value 
unless it begins at the foot of Christ, the feet of Christ. And so as we turn to the Lord's table, this is our opportunity to experience Christ actually being present with us. You know, when you look at the Bible, when Jesus ascends, he doesn't promise to be present with us in any physical way in any other place other than in this bread or this cracker we use in the juice. When he says, this is my body and this is my blood, this is our opportunity to actually truly sit with him. And if today you've placed faith in Christ, I want you, I encourage you today to enjoy his presence with us this morning. If you're here this morning and you're like, I don't know what it means to sit at the feet of Jesus. I'm not even sure what it means for Jesus to have a role in my life. I want to just spell it out really clearly for you. Okay? The significance of the Lord Jesus Christ is this. That him being God the Son, God in the flesh... He came down, okay, and he lived a life that we should have lived but could not live and pleasing to God. He died a death that we should have died because we did not please God as we should. And he is now resurrected to newness of life that we too might resurrect and have eternal life with him. Even though we will die here, we believe our hope is that we will indeed live with him again. As we take of this bread and this juice, we are proclaiming that this is indeed the case. And we are indeed receiving it once again. If you've never taken of communion, you've never believed these things. But today you say, hey, Pastor Mac, I, that sounds good to me. I want that. I want to encourage you to take communion with us. Because indeed, that's what you're proclaiming. Amen? Amen. And so I'll pray for us, and then Pastor Drew will come and lead us in communion. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much for your kindness towards us. And Lord God, as weird as it may sound to have to fight to just be, I pray for your grace that we would all do so. Because you've commanded it give you the glory and the honor because indeed you are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 amen.